Oh, could you imagine if I was genuinely happy? No. Hello and welcome to episode number 213. Yeah, lucky 13 of Grumpy Old Ben's Tuesday. Yeah, not Wednesday, Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside a shy rack where I'm looking forward to getting a root canal again. And from America's left coast, where I'm taking Palpatine's advice and letting the caffeine flow through me, I'm Ryan Pemrose. How much caffeine are we talking about? Because you're a caffeine guy already. And if you're like, there's uh, so, too much. So what I had for the last several weeks was, uh, an, there was a Ethiopian blend. We get, usually get our beans from a local roaster who imports them from all over the place. And, uh, it generally does us right. They, they do really good. You know, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Uh, I, I, I I've turned it back. That. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. F- force myself, you know, I'd use using the AeroPress or French press or anything every day. I, I now use a drip coffee maker, but we still buy fresh roasted beans and then I grind them myself. But the thing is what you do get with the, uh, uh, if you get your coffee at the grocery store, then it might nest, it might not be as high a quality, but the quality is very, very consistent. And the beans, the coffee that I had before was a little bit lower caffeine. So I got myself used to drinking about three cups a day and I ran out of that and just switched to a bag I had in the freezer, which happens to have been a, a bag of 100% pure Kona coffee that I returned home with on my last trip to visit my mother. Ooh. Um, very, very good. But three cups of that is enough to pickle me. So the Kona coffee is like ultra super caffeinated. Uh, yes, it's it's very high quality coffee, and it's it's definitely higher caffeine content than I'm used to, judging by how my blood is vibrating right now. See, that's why I go and, with the ultra dark rose, because I guess that's actually less caffeine. So I keep myself from uh, it is. And if you like the taste of charcoal, it's excellent. Oh, I do. Charcoal <laughs> there you go. gets you going in the morning. Actually, I'll tell you the real advantage to the dark roast is uh, that. The darker the roast, the more the flavor profile is determined by the roast. The lighter roasts, the flavor profile is determined by the bean. And if you're a company like Starbucks that needs to consume several continents worth of coffee production, you're not going to get the same beans in every cup. But it's very important that they give you exactly the same tasting cup of coffee, no matter where you are in Starbucks, no matter which of the 23 Starbucks you're in in downtown Seattle, or if you're one in one in Chicago or Hong Kong or wherever. It's important that every cup of Starbucks from everywhere tastes exactly the same. Well, they can't control where the beans come from, but they can control the roast. So the Starbucks house blend tastes the same everywhere because they burn the shit out of it. (laughs) And therefore, the only thing you can taste is the charcoal in the bean. And that's consistent. It's the same flavor everywhere. It's like whiskey making, though. I mean, Jack Daniels always tastes the same because they make it taste the same. Yeah. We got to mix in this and that until it gets to the right flavor, which is why I applaud the companies like Booker's, which is more of a 
small batch thing, which is now, I believe they're still doing it, just releasing a different batch every three months and being like, well, this is what it tastes like now. And then it changes because the next batch is different than the next batch is different. Sure. And you get people to buy a lot more then because it's not like you just go and buy one bottle. You're like, collect them all. Which is kind of the way products worked before mass production. Right. Yeah. It was different. So we're doing, we're doing this show today on a Tuesday, which by the way, um, normally the normal grumpy old Ben's time on Tuesdays, I have started doing angry tech news live. And the reason for doing it live other than because people seem to like it, that that's not the real reason. The reason is because if it's live, I have a deadline. Right. And and therefore, it forces me to get stuff done and uh, cross my fingers, knock on wood. I have managed to do it now four weeks in a row at the same time on Tuesday. So that's a plus. But uh, we we're doing this grumpy old Ben's on Tuesday because you've got something going on tomorrow. That Yeah, uh, a re-root canal. I've never had a re-root canal before. I, again. <laughs> right. The same thing. I was going to say that right be- immediately before this show, then all the people who were listening live in the troll room got treated to me being extremely over-caffeinated and a possibly schizophrenic angry tech news. I thought that's how it's supposed to be. That's kind of the <laughs> what it sounds like. It's people like it. Might they be. tune in. They're like, is this guy going to go nuts today or not? So your endodontist is not creative enough to like find a different tooth. to gr- Like, is it just like this tooth is comfortable? We've been here before. Let's just stay in the same rut. Is that what's going on? No, so this was somebody else that did the root canal. This one now has been years. And when I was complaining of having some issues, they did all of the scans and they're like, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of, uh, of a infection up above this one. And they said about 10 years ago, which I think we may have talked about, but there was, it was amazing to me. I don't think I was talking to you 10 years ago. No, but the, uh, the <laughs> entodontist said, you I know, mean, it up, feels like forever, but it hasn't been that long. <laughs> He's like up until a few years ago, like maybe six or seven years ago. This is very common to have this little bit left. He's like, because they didn't realize that there was a little bit more of the nerve that went up a little bit higher than everything else or whatever. And I have no idea how that all works, how you would miss part of a nerve in the tooth. I mean, I was taught in grade school that the nerve comes out the root of the tooth. So, I mean, how far do they think it goes? Right. So this is like they did the root canal, but they left a little piece. And when you leave a little piece, then that goes poorly after years of just sitting there, which we've heard horror stories from our buddy, the Podfather, who has had all sorts of issues with infections. Oh, yeah. Every tooth issue that I've ever had pales in comparison to what he's dealing with right now. So it's like, this is nice and easy, but it's like, we want to take care of it. We want to get this out. So they, and I asked him because I had no idea. I'm like, so what's the difference between a root canal and a redo? And the entodontist said, well, it's harder. And then he said, for me, not for you. I mean, you just get to sit there. So, you know, it just makes my job a little bit harder, but it's no big deal. And he's like, now, you know, what would make your job even harder would be if you were like rocking the table or something. Yeah, that would be more fun. Like, you don't want to do that when people have sharp objects in your mouth. Right. So there's that. We need that one to be redone. And there is one tooth that is the one right behind that one that has been giving me some issues, but they're like, the tooth is perfectly fine. It's not infected. It does not need a root canal or to be pulled at this point, unless it's, you know, giving me a problem. And as of now, it's only like ice or ice cream, that kind of a thing hits it. I go, Whoa, otherwise shouldn't be eating ice cream anyway. Yes. This is kind of the built-in thing. So, you know, don't do that. 
And then once I get that done, I need to go back and see the regular dentist again, just for him to reseat or redo the crown that the other woman did that just has never still never been right. I kept hoping that, you know, maybe eventually, maybe it was just a little sore. Maybe there was something where it was put in, but no, it's still a little bit sore after that was like, I think last year in August or so. So by now, you know, you shouldn't be feeling anything. So one step at a time. Ah, the joys of constant unending medical procedures. I know it was last Tuesday that I was in the ER for like four hours in the morning. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that and then we missed. In fact, we missed last week. We have not had a grumpy old Ben's show in two weeks. I know. Uh, 13 days to be precise. And today is the 13th or no, the 23rd. There's a, this is the today's the 21st. Oh, the 21st. But it's episode 213. Who's counting? I, not me. <laughs> Obviously not me. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty much, much. That's what makes our show so magical par for the course i put a new microphone in because i thought the other one was sounding a little weird so i i pulled out the joe rogan mic while i was listening to angry tech news i'm like let's try this one today shake things up a little uh well i can't tell the difference well see that's perfect then uh the first story i had on my list was hyundai and kia patch bug allowing car thefts with the usb cable and i'm like i'm hearing this on angry oh, tech news i've i've heard about this what uh, <laughs> tell me about this story I thought it was just fantastic going back to when uh, when we were kids, you know, the whole concept of hot wiring a car was like, well, you oh, yeah. go into the car. I, and every pull- Hollywood crime movie yes. had a scene where the dude goes in and pulls out two wires from under the dash, connects them and drives off with the car. There's always a little spark. It's always very exciting. And it was it was honestly a little bit of a surprise to me. I mean, it should not have been a surprise, but it's a little surprise to me to go. Yeah. It makes sense. That doesn't work anymore. Yes. The, you would think that the technology has gotten so good that it would be nearly impossible to steal a car. And then you read this story and go, so all he needs a USB cable. I got a lot of those. Well, they're, they are the up to 2019. I think their, their current year models do have the, the, the ignition. What the fuck did I call it? Yeah, the firmware that if you don't unlock yeah. the car door with the key fob, then the engine won't start. Yeah, but it's their 2015 to 2019 models are the most commonly stolen cars in the world. And part of the reason is that they're pretty much the last cars ever that hot wiring works because they don't check to see if a key is in the ignition or if the fob is in the car. And people figured this out and then went on to TikTok and YouTube and wherever else they could post this and taught the whole world how to hotwire a car, which is (laughs) great, really, which is really annoying to Kia because uh, they're like, oh, well, yeah, of course, we knew that this was possible. But now you're telling everyone how to. And uh, the statistic, I don't remember if I mentioned this on ATN, but the statistic was that in the course of about four weeks. the number of Kias and Hyundais that were stolen of that year tripled. Well, it got so bad that there were insurance companies saying, yeah, we're not going to insure these cars anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So if you own one, that makes it very inconvenient. Hyundai was charging up to $500 at a dealership to do the anti-theft software patch. And the PR about this got so bad that the, the news is they're making it free now. Well, that would be good. Because if your insurance company won't cover you without it, then you can't drive the car in most states or all states at this point. Or or you're you're not legally allowed to anyway. Right. 
And if you get into an accident, then then yeah. you have real or, issues or get pulled over by the cop. And then the cop will do some extra harassing, like put you in the back and have your car towed away because you don't have the legal right to drive it. You're like, but Hyundai screwed up, man. This ain't my fault. It's all Hyundai's fault. I, I mean, there's there's a line of reasoning that says if you're if you willingly and voluntarily purchased a Hyundai, you should be. That's your fault. Right. You're like, you should have thought twice about that, but nobody really expects that kind of a problem. They, it, yeah, it was, it was definitely a new one. It's like, really? So I need a USB cable to now, what, uh, steal a car. As much as I'm totally talking about this on two shows back to back, I did not actually have the dedication to go watch one of these videos. So I only read about how it's done. Same roughly. here. I'm guessing for people that know what they're doing, it's pretty quick though. It's like, you just expose. On oh, the yeah. steering column, the USB port, you stick it in. Now, I don't know what has to something have to be on the other side of the magical USB cable, or do you just, you know, plug in any USB cable and it I, starts? I, I don't know. And the reason I don't know, there's two reasons. One is I don't have a TikTok account. I'm not going to watch a TikTok video. And the other is I'm not a car thief. So this didn't seem like really important details to have. But I have seen videos of people who know how to get into cars who literally can go to a car in a parking lot, you know, watch, watch a person park a car and drive away, walk up to the car and literally 15 seconds and they start pull it backing out of the thing and driving away with it. That's called being a professional. It's knowing what the hell you're doing. I mean, I guess if you get paid for it, you're a professional. Yeah. I told my wife, I'm going to start, you know, Adam Curry says you should walk 45 minutes a day. And now that she only works a mile away, I thought my fun would be walking the mile to where she works taking the spare key and driving her car home so when she comes out of work the car's gone it take you 45 minutes to walk a mile no i'm just saying i would have plenty of time to do that i could probably oh, walk yeah. back and forth a few times i mean it all uh, depends what you're doing while walking i mean it's hard to walk yeah. while eating a churro and I'm, I'm a little more out of shape than i used to be but back when i was was willing to walk the streets around here for exercise and and not worry about getting randomly injected by with meth right. or, you know, by a meth head or something. You got to look down um, so you don't step on the needles. Yeah. It was, yes. That's a concern. Also the fact that they're, you know, half the sidewalks are blocked by tents. It, walking around in the city is a little sketch, so I don't do it as often. But back when I was walking for exercise, I actually clocked myself. I walked faster than a lot of people, but certainly not a speed demon, about three miles an hour, which means 20 minutes to walk a mile was it depending and, uh, on how much caffeine you had had how badly you had to go to the bathroom at the time well I, no actually because um the what those would do is affect my fatigue level that would make sense i find I've, I've found that walking on too much caffeine uh not great uh it turns out your blood pressure goes through the roof you yes. end up with multiple aneurysms i mean <laughs> and that really kills your whole uh thought of exercising it, it definitely affects the exercise routine. I think you could speed walk uh, Pfeiffer. And I think what you I get what I'm picturing is what comedy was that where the guy had like the speed walking helmet, you know, that looked, you know, really curled behind it when he was walking. Uh, I'm not even sure what speed walking is. It's what these well, it's walking really fast in like skin tight leotards and uh, and pretending okay, well. it's a sport. 
Okay, well, anybody who decides to visualize me in a skin-tight leotard, you deserve the <laughs> mental damage that you get. Yeah, I mean, there is no guarantee that you're going to come out the other end of that. Just saying. So if you have a Hyundai yeah. or a Kia, don't. That's the uh, yeah. That, bottom that seems line. to be the <laughs> that's the takeaway. You know, the other interesting. And, and, well, the and the other is uh, if you have a Hyundai or a Kia, uh, and you want to continue having a Hyundai or a Kia, go get this patch. Right. Originally, I remember seeing things like, oh, they're giving away steering wheel locks for free and all this other crap. It's like, really? Like, that's going to stop people? Because if somebody gets into your car, they can't get a steering wheel lock off. To, to be honest, I was a little surprised that this was a problem that was fixable with a software patch. Well, that, everything's not, available as a software patch. Well, I mean, that wouldn't have been possible 15 years ago. True. Well, that's everything's a computer now. Yeah, it's it, Exactly. All the cars are smartphones now. They're all smartphones. They all got GPS. They're telling everybody where you're driving, how much you're driving. And Hyundai is so backwards because they they don't have over the air updates. And I mean, unlike BMW, they don't even put all their features behind a subscription paywall like Tesla. Hey, you want the car to drive itself? That's extra. Yeah. Hey, you want to drive the car? That's extra. Yes, you're right. Exactly. Well, that's what the government wants. They want to know how many miles you're driving. And while it was when these things originally started, it was easy to make fun of people that went all in. And then I did myself with the State Farm thing where it's like, we'll put the little gadget in your car because I realized you don't have to keep it attached to your phone and you'll still get the better rate. So there's depending on how your insurance company may deal with it, it may be different. But I found that you could sign up for the State Farm thing to get lower rates if you'll let them follow how you drive and then just disconnect your phone and never reconnect it so they get nothing and they'll still keep yeah. you at the lower rate. Okay, that, that, that's an exploit and I approve. The, the amount of data you're leaking on that, lots of people will do it willingly, but yes, that is absolutely terrible and I really hate that that's going to be normalized. Well, that's it because the question is, are you going to need the dongles from the insurance companies anymore? It's all going to be built into the cars. I think if they're not already no, for, doing it. And, and for now they're, they're just trying to check to see if you're, you know, driving safely, driving the speed limit, following laws. But at some point, you know, the, the same exact same technology with almost no modifications is going to be like, well, we actually noticed that you visited this place we don't approve of. And therefore, uh, you know, or, or you visited the campaign headquarters for a political party we didn't like, and therefore we're canceling your insurance and we're going to remote shut down your car so you can't drive it anymore. The new I mean, world that's order. coming. That is going to happen. I don't think it's happening yet, but it will. Well, it all goes with the social score that we've talked about since day one. Yeah, social credit score. That's what it is. We have not moved away from that since this podcast started. We have not gone like, wow. The world figured it out. People are getting coming to their senses. We're moving in the right direction again. No, it's getting worse. No, it's it's definitely getting worse. And, you know, we have a, a, a administration in the federal government who uh, uh, is totally happy to send another hundred billion to Ukraine. But uh, not that I particularly want to get to Europe, but apparently isn't willing to send any kind of aid or even acknowledge any problems at all for places like Eastern Ohio. Yeah. There's a little bit of a problem with a uh, chemical train. Yeah. They, they had a little bit of a problem, which this, this has been done to death on other show uh, on other shows. I just have to, I, I have to marvel at the idea that um, 
uh, our federal government is so incredibly corrupt. I, I mean, we we already knew and I've been ranting forever about how uh, they are favoring the pet projects of the particular political party that's running things right now and completely ignoring or actively screwing Americans. But this is one of the biggest examples I've seen in a while is you poison an entire town and then be like, nope, you're not eligible for federal aid. But uh, hey, Zelensky, here's another hundred billion. That just huge slap in the face to the American people. I cannot believe anybody still puts up with this. Well, I didn't mean I didn't mean to take a turn into politics, but it's absolutely right because it's insanity. There's a lot of things that could be fixed here with that kind of money. But this is going into that same rabbit hole of all of the people who will swear to you that having pride in your country, being a nationalist is bad. And it's not. If everybody would take care of their own shit, we would all be better off. It's the same thing. You know, whether it's family by family, neighborhood by neighborhood, you can take care of things at the local level. That should be where everything starts. It makes no sense if your neighbor is hurting, if your neighbor needs a little bit of help, if your neighbor is starving. Well, let's send some money over to Ethiopia. The kids are starving. Well, yeah, so is your neighbor, asshole. Take care of your area. I've, I've given up on expecting Democrats to actually care about or help out Americans. I would be satisfied if they would stop trying to actively kill us. Well, you know, population control is very important. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've got Bill Gates for that. They want to put you in a Take self-driving car. Slave. Yeah. They want you to go right over the bridge. Nothing to worry about. Yeah. Nothing I actually did have a, another Tesla story. I don't know if you saw this one. They are, uh, doing a recall on 360,000 vehicles equipped with full self-driving. That's Uh, a lot of cars. Yeah. The NTSB uh, is actually the ones driving this. Um, The recall notice, which by the way, it's called a recall because NTSB terms, what they're really doing is, is delivering an over the air software update to address the issues, whatever that means. But basically the NTSB has gotten a little sick of, Tesla's full self-driving module causing car crashes. And there's no shortage of anecdotes. NTSB doesn't really operate on anecdotes, but now apparently they have data that says uh, this thing is acting unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn only lane, entering (laughs) stop sign controlled intersections without coming to a complete stop. So uh, which makes sense, by the way, they're trained in California. Uh, or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. The full self-driving system is doing these things. And the NTSB has, has data that says, uh, yeah, your module is driving like a Californian. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> driving so, like a Californian, not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've dri- have you driven in California? I have. And uh, not something I like to do over more than once. Well, this is the kind of stuff, and we've had this argument since the early days of Grumpy Old Ben's as well, which is who's going to be responsible when the self-driving cars kill people, cause the massive trolley, amounts obviously. of damage. You know, it's never it's never a good answer. Yeah, it it's it's not a good answer. And uh, the the only you know, the the right answer, as far as I'm concerned, is that the the person who owns the car is the only one that you can assign that blame to. 
But then there's the interesting little subtlety of who actually owns the car? Because you see, if I paid for the car, you could say I'm the owner. But if I don't have control over the software on the car, then I don't really own it. And so Tesla is responsible. You know, I, the, the person who's driving the car is not who I mean. The, the, the person who is responsible for the software on the car, because the software is what's making the stakes. Whoever put the software on the car, that is who needs to be responsible. And right now, everybody is abdicating their responsibility as the owner of a device and saying, oh, well, the Silicon Valley company has always got my best, uh, I, you know, my best interests in mind. Let's just have them do. And well, Tesla, if Tesla can push over the air updates that I can't refuse, then Tesla had damn well better be responsible when it gets in a wreck. Well, and I don't know anybody that would want to buy one of these vehicles and operate it if they're responsible for mistakes that the machine makes. I mean, would you want to be yeah, responsible? Yeah, that would not be a good, that would not be something you'd put on the sale, uh, the sales brochure. No, because it's like, oh yeah, you could go to jail for killing a family of six because your car hit them and they'll be, well, you were being very, very uh, unsafe by engaging your self-driving capabilities. It's like, you can't have it. You just can't. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going through the article, uh, the notes. The FSD beta system may also have trouble responding appropriately to changes in posted speed limits. The notice said. Well, right. Because the, the way these things know how fast to go is that it's programmed in using things like waves and the GPS and all that. It's not reading signs on the road. Yeah. Well, once a while, once upon a time, they were trying to read signs on the road and, and trolls and hackers picked up real quickly on <laughs> how to modify the signs. <laughs> Throw a one in front of that 55. Yeah. Or uh, there, I mean, we, we, I think we discussed on this show, we've there, there are stickers and decals and things that you can put on it that uh particular optical recognition package will suddenly mistake so right. that if you glance at it, it looks like speed limit 35 with some mud on it and a human will immediately tell it, Oh, it says 35. And a human will also be like, Oh, there's driveways and houses coming through here. I probably shouldn't go much more than 35 because you know, there's children playing in the street, whatever, but a car or a, you know, looks at that and the package that they have on it says, Oh, that's obviously 85 and accelerates. Right. Go, go, go. Do not I mean, trust you're right. The they machine. don't do that as much anymore because it's getting, you know, from places like Google Maps, they're getting the speed limit data, which is programmed into all the roads, which is which probably safer. Own, well, <laughs> which which has its own set of suite of problems using predetermined maps. Like uh, if you recall, when Apple Maps first came out and it was routing people down boat ramps and stuff, that was always fun. Right. It was like I love that episode of The Office where Michael Scott's like, no, no, it says turn here. That's the lake, Michael. And he drives right into the lake. That's what's going to be happening more and more because people yeah. just have no idea how to think. And, and well, the, and that was the problem back then was you had the automatic direction system trying to route you in retarded locations. And there were people who were stupid enough to blindly follow the directions to hilarious ends. But most people who got those directions were like, nope, I'm not going to drive into the lake. I'll find another route. This thing's lying to me. Yeah, but you want to send somebody a, into an ambush, you just have to break in and hack their GPS. But but for as amazing as various AI systems have been, one thing that they have not figured out how to do 
is detect when somebody is fucking with them. Right. They, they, they're not good at figuring out when something is lying with them. They're going to take the data that says turn right here and drive into the lake and be like, okay, we'll do that. Turn and, right and here and go a very safe speed of 120 miles if, an hour. If you're not paying attention to the road so you can grab the wheel or, or when we reach the point where self-driving cars get to the point where cars just aren't installed with a wheel. And, and now instead of having control over the vehicle, you're just a prisoner until it gets to where it's destination or it crashes. Congratulations. You, you better be able to, you know, hold your breath for a really long time. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a very comfortable feeling. I don't know if I would get into one of those vehicles quite yet, maybe on a closed circuit track, but not out in the wild. Certainly not going over large bridges or anything like that. I, I, for, for the moment, I, I am quite capable of driving myself and I intend to continue to do so until such time as I'm no longer able. Like, why would you ever leave the house though? I mean, you don't have to drive if you well, never leave that. the house way better. Well, Just, obviously to go out when, when I need to go out and, and walk the city streets to get my meth fix. <laughs> well, if they, that's what it's there for, obviously. Yes. Actually, that's not true. The city I'm living in has a much bigger heroin problem than meth. Meth is is big in Seattle and uh, parts south of here, but where I am, it's it's heroin. Well, that's not a uh, not a something you want to pick up just for for fun or anything. Not a habit no, it's you want. Not, it's something that I intend to leave on the sidewalk. Like, no, thank you. I don't even want to go outside. Well, here in Chirac, we had the homeless overtaking the airport O'Hare. And oh yeah, like, yeah. That's no problem at all. Right. Mayor Lightfoot. What, nope. what, what are they going to do? Route all the flights in a midway or maybe they should. I mean, midway is a lot more fun to land at. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shorter runways. Uh-huh. And if you, if you go, if you don't have quite the right glide path, you run into a building. Where's the problem? Uh-huh. I always <laughs> loved going in and out of midway. Cause it's like you get down on the runway when you're landing and they slam on those brakes like a mofo. Yeah. <laughs> the, the runway is what like, it's something like 16 blocks long. Yeah. Which, it's like one mile square or something. Yeah, seems, seems like a long way, but that is not very long for a runway. No, no. I and mean, when you land at O'Hare, you have plenty of time. It's very leisurely. You slow down like your grandpa, just slowly putting his foot on the brake in his old Lincoln. Not at midway. No, no. Going up is the same way. If you, you better get up to speed because otherwise yeah. you're on the street and not just up to speed, but also up to elevation because there's buildings. Yes. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Now there was during the winter, we had a plane skid off the runway and it went through the fence and wound up on Cicero Avenue. So, I mean, how would you like to be driving (laughs) down the street and be like, holy shit. To to be honest, that might be one of the safest things that could happen to you in Chicago these days. That's true. That's true. You're going to get a heart attack from having the Italian beef. You're going to get shot while going to pick up your pizza. The planes are the uh, the least of the problems did you read any of this stuff on the GoDaddy hacks that have been going on now allegedly for years i i did read the article i didn't i didn't hack i didn't include it in my notes so go what do what do we got well i was just i mean one i wasn't surprised that GoDaddy got hacked oh imagine that uh-huh what i was kind of surprised was they're like well A this company hack- that spends 20 times their budget on marketing as they do on it uh-huh it's like, well, this was a current hack. There was one from like 2019. There was one from like 2017. And then they're like, you know, now it's being disclosed that, well, this is all part of the same thing. Like they never figured it out that there was a group, obviously a 
a dedicated and good at their craft hacker group, got in, started going in and, uh, you know, modifying the software that GoDaddy uses to have the control of any of the control panels, whatever they wanted for all of the hosting. And, oh, it was, sure. and it was interesting. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of glad, I guess, that I'm with for our sites a much smaller host. It is a boutique kind of host and it doesn't have millions of customers. So I think it's probably a much smaller target because you don't get as much bang for the buck. You want to go for the biggest hosts, I would think. Oh, certainly. Because once you get in, then you have access they're, to so much more. They're, they're the bigger targets, which is why. And, and this is positively insane that GoDaddy, which is arguably an IT company, does not. They need to be dedicating a significant portion of their budget to having the right dudes named Ben who care about security and making sure their service works. And one of the reasons why, you know, I, I never even considered them was the stories that I've heard about how their system will just randomly go down. And like reliability was a problem. And if reliability you know is a problem, you know, the security isn't great either. Yes. And it's like, um, you don't have good dudes named Ben. If you find out that there has been a hack going nope. on for years and you not, didn't not notice. When not when you're blowing your entire annual budget on a Super Bowl commercial. They used to do that all the time. Yeah. Remember they had Danica Patrick for a while driving the GoDaddy car looking I hot. I not remember who it was. I just remember it was the hot race car chick. Right. Hot race car chick. That's all you need yeah. to know. That's all I need to know. They spent themselves a lot of money. And yeah, I'm glad that uh, everybody that I've dealt with, for whatever reason, it is the marketing. You're right. Because almost everybody that I had run into over the years that I started doing some web work for their domain and or their hosting was at GoDaddy. And it's like, why? Why are you doing that? There's so many other places to go. It's like, well, they didn't know any better. That's really one of those names where if you just go ask a random person, like you need to go set up a website today, where are you going to go? Most people are probably going to say GoDaddy because yeah. they have no well, idea what else is out there. Yeah, because that's the marketing. They're like, well, what TV commercials have I seen lately? Yes. GoDaddy. And, and to be honest, if you're just putting up a, a, a craft website or something that you show off your your little embroideries or OK, well, or or if you're just putting up a blog where you're going to say the same banal things that everybody else says, then you're not a target. You're probably fine. Did you say banal? I did. Isn't that banal? It might be. Is, it, is this no? I'm like, is this one of those no agenda pr uh, pronunciations? Uh, it's 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 like inauguration. Yes, I love the inauguration. That's yeah. where I learn about the country. Or, or, or yeah, or or bohemoth or something like that. Yeah, and I can't even say controversy the way Adam Curry does. I I try, but Con I can't. Controversy. I, yes, it's like it just it doesn't fire correctly. It's like my brain just keeps spitting it out the other way. We have been programmed, kids. That's all I so, know. Just a, a quick side note about uh, one thing that you can learn about people by paying attention. And uh, that is the people who learned from videos know how to pronounce words, but they can't spell worth a shit. That makes sense. The people who learn from books tend to be excellent spellers, but don't always pronounce words the correct way. I spell very well. Which is why you're doing a speaking podcast. Which is why I'm doing a podcast that requires me <laughs> to speak words like banal. But you see, if you had the AI that you can train your voice, you wouldn't even have to speak anymore. 
Yeah, I'm waiting for that one. I know. I want I to bet try I could, that. I bet I could corrupt the model, turn it into a Nazi, but just by speaking hello. I know. I want to try that. Like, I got to. I got to see how I can train one of these things. See how close it could get. Well, sadly, you can't do that with Bing anymore. No. Well, they're, at least for the moment, they're afraid. They don't want you. Yeah, to, they, they don't want you to diddle their AI. Hell yes, they are. Microsoft is one of the most risk averse companies that has been steadily turning woke. Now they're not as good as at woke as companies like Google or Facebook, but they are, they are woke enough and they are so risk averse. The very idea that anything they created, I mean, you remember what was the bot called uh, Tay back in the day when people did exactly the same thing, they put up a chat bot and people immediately turned it into a misogynist or something. <laughs> Well, yeah, they they tried to get it to say the worst possible things that they could. And they they succeeded. And Microsoft pulled the bot down after a week. They're like, well, we're done with this experiment. And now they put up Bing with an AI that was developed by somebody else. And it took less than a week for people to turn it into a, a, a Nazi who doxes people and threatens journalists. And Well, it's just funny. I mean, I saw there was an article. I don't remember where it was. But it was like the hidden ways that you can use this bot. And one of them was, you know, to be your executive assistant or whatever, which kind of makes sense. But then one of them was like to just talk to it like a friend or a therapist. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah. No a crazy idea. Go out and get an actual friend. Yes. Or a therapist if you need one. Or a therapist. If if you have to pay for your friends, that's what a therapist is. Yeah. If you really need to pay for somebody to listen to you. Otherwise, just start a podcast. It works yeah, just you know, as well. I, I up until this year, I would have said that people pay me to listen to me, but uh, I don't know if that's true anymore. But donations have dropped off a cliff. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I'm using that the uh, the dental stuff, and I don't know yet what it costs. I want to find out, and I will find out what the cost for going into the emergency room for four hours is. I'm curious what the uh, what will have be will have been rung up for that but i was fairly impressed in our hospital out in the area here which is not inside of chirac so you know there's very little bullet wounds and those kind of things going on out here where we went in yeah bullets only go so far in the air exactly and by the time you hit this county things are a little bit better but i was very impressed that we walked in the door at like eight in the morning and within three minutes i was hooked up to a machine getting an ekg Wow. So I was like, damn, I mean, one, it wasn't crowded. I mean, if there was something going on, you know, that would have been maybe a little bit different, but it was a, you know, overall good experience. That's a lot quicker than around here. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming there may be more issues going on. I, I, last time I was in the clinic with my wife, uh, first was, uh, you know, we walked in and they were like, we need both of you to put on your masks. And I look around at the completely empty waiting room. (laughs) Turn, I, I just waved at my wife. I'm like, I'll be in the car if you need me. And I walked out. <laughs> you like, you know, if somebody needs, you know, again, if you're walking in, having a heart arrhythmia, if you're having trouble breathing or something like that, the worst thing you can do to somebody in that state is like, yeah, put something over your mouth so you can't breathe as well. But that's exactly what they do in this state in Washington. Yeah. I mean, I, here, the, the signs were there, like mask up, but there were people sitting in the room that had their masks off and nobody was bothering them. So that's, yeah, I think that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the way they're dealing with it, which is, we'll put the little signs up. I mean, they may even tell you when coming in, 
And if putting the little sign up is, is the limit of it and you've satisfied your, then I can, you know, I can sit there and glare daggers at the sign and then ignore it. I'm fine with that. Yes. But no, this, this little uh, Nazi at the, behind the desk, which who was literally the only person in the room until we walked in is like, you need to wear a mask or like, no, no, I fucking don't. But, um, the, the, the thing I was going to point out about that particular situation though, was, uh, literally nobody there. And I went out to the car and I'm watching through the window 15 minutes before my wife was called back. Nice. <laughs> like we get a little help here. Yeah. Like, is everybody out to lunch or maybe, maybe is the it, doctor's having trouble with breathing or something. You know, they, they check the EKG. They're like, well, you're in sinus, but let's get some x-rays and then we'll get you into a room and then the doctor will come in. And I mean, I, again, this, this comes down to, understanding the heartbeat. So, so this wasn't the, this wasn't the, the same thing. This was not the AFib or no, what? Correct. Well, I thought it was, cause this is where the smart watches aren't that smart, I guess. Yeah. I just don't remember all the terms. Everything I know about medicine, I learned from house MD. See, and that's a very good place to learn. The, the only thing I know is it's not lupus and it's, it's never, usually autoimmune. It's never lupus. Absolutely <laughs> never. But I've had AFib in the past, but it was mainly, I think the only time it was probably confirmed was after getting my gallbladder out because I don't do well with anesthesia. My mom's the same way. So obviously there's something in our DNA where almost all the anesthetics that they use, anesthesia that they use will have the the multiple puking afterwards. I, I know this is weird, but humans are actually trained to not lose consciousness randomly. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh, it, uh, it's Darwinism. It's uh, evolution has selected against randomly passing out when there's predators around. And then you put this stuff into your system. That's just basically poison because the, that's exactly it, what it's doing. It literally is poison. It's, it's suppressing your system in ways that are particularly harmful if you're in a flight or fight situation it's like getting a damn good roofie you know what i'm saying and who doesn't want one of those (laughs) well if you're looking to relax i mean it's great (laughs) but when i come out after the anesthesia i mean that's the uh and this happened with all of the eye surgeries too which always made those fun and it was the you know the massive puking that was going on afterwards but with the gallbladder, it was even worse, I believe, because it was an extended period of time leading up to it, including the day before with the gallbladder surgery. You have to do the same thing that you got to do when they're doing a colonoscopy. So you drink the stuff and you empty your whole system out. Oh, my gosh. And you get completely emptied out. You get completely dehydrated. This sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. So by the time it was after that, it wasn't just like, oh, I hadn't eaten for a little while. It was after a day of that and i felt it man i i threw up so hard that i felt the heart go out of rhythm and i'm like whoa 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 they were trying to wheel me out kim had already gone to pull the car up to the front and i'm just like whoa 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 wait no like, so no. what you're saying is you got a brutal hangover without even the benefit of having had a good night for it pretty much and i told the <laughs> nurse i'm like no i need i need somebody to check this and the the anesthesiologist came back in he listened to the heart and he's like oh we're going to get an ekg on you He's like, you're right. Something's off here. And yeah, of course, that was AFib. So they kept me overnight and gave me something uh, medically to get the heart back into rhythm. I guess they can also shock it back into rhythm for certain things. So this is where 
we know that I have the propensity to have AFib. So when I was having these other, you know, random heartbeat issues, always just assumed it was AFib. Because of course sure. you're never in the doctor's office when the shit's going on. Right. I mean, it's, it's a reasonable assumption. Uh-huh. So I got the watch, the Apple watch, which I'm sure is taking all my data and sending it to the Chiners. Of course it is. No, no, not Chiners. That's true. It just Apple goes to is Cupertino. One of the few companies, Apple is one of the few companies where all of your personal data is harvested and kept right here in the U.S. of A. to be used against you. They're, not, Kami, California. they're not outsourcing that. Right. Kami, California instead yeah, of Kami, okay. China. Yeah. It's still a communist place, but it's not China. True. And the watch still says, hey, this is showing signs of atrial fibrillation, which I was going by that because, again, I wasn't really up on. I mean, I kind of knew what AFib was. I kind of know a bunch of other things because I had a heart condition as a kid. But, you know, reading the little graphs and stuff like that didn't really understand as much. So even though these things were saying AFib and it was even fooling the machine in the emergency room because my wife was watching that. And she's like, oh, yeah, now it says, you know, AFib, you know, now it says sinus. No, now it says AFib. What was really happening was rather than the heart fibrillating, which means it's not beating in any particular rhythm, it's just kind of like flapping around like a, a salamander or something. That yeah, I uh, think we've all been there. Yeah, we've all had nights like that. Well, and alcohol will do that to you too. I remember being so hungover <laughs> once, you know, and you feel the heart just going, thump, 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 and it's like in and out, and it's in and out. Oh yeah. And but but if you can feel anything, you still haven't had enough alcohol. Well, this is true. You need more booze. And that'll absolutely fix it. But what was going on was what they call premature atrial complex, which is a bunch of extra beats being thrown in. But the only good point is those are pretty much thought to be overall benign. And it's not like AFib. When you have AFib, your heart is not beating correctly, which means there is a much higher chance that blood clots are going to form in the heart and then be shot out into your system, which is not a good thing. Yeah, blood clots are no good. No. With the uh, extra heartbeats, with the contractions, it's still pumping the heart. So there is no blood clot risk. So that's the one good thing is you didn't have that risk. But of course, the the beating that is in a very irregular and uh, erratic manner, for, I guess some people don't feel it, which I guess would be better maybe. For me, I have one of these beats and I feel it which just totally freaks you out because the first thing all these things say, well, it can be caused by stress. And I'm like, well, what do you think causes the stress once you start <laughs> feeling it? And of course you're, you're under stress. And then the other thing is, well, make sure you get a good night's sleep. And it's like, see the first problem, yeah. you know, it, it just doesn't And the, there's, I've talked to people that have had this. There's a lot of people in the no agenda sphere, including our buddy blue douche, who was a Marine and he's seen some, uh, crazy shit in his life and he's like oh yeah i've had those and those scared me more than anything else i've ever had he's he's seen more crazy shit than i ever want to Uh uh-huh oh no doubt about it and it's like okay so you you can tell yourself well no this isn't a problem but then again it's like well how do you then differentiate between what is afib and what is the extra heartbeat because the watch was saying afib so i was like well this is going on three days in a row i think i just need to go in and get the reset get whatever medication and then it's like, well, no, you're in sinus rhythm. It's like, well, no, see, it's going crazy. And they're like, yeah, but you have a good P wave. It's like, what's that mean? <laughs> you know, and then that was explained. I, right. I'm like, I, I, 
you're like a good so, pee you know, wave. That's the other thing after a long night of drinking is right. I get a really good pee wave. Uh-huh. You got to give enough beer. You have a really good pee wave when that's all exiting out from your system. So I will say I've okay. learned a lot more, which is good. Yeah. Well, from from where I'm sitting, the the only really important upshot is that you seem to have returned to podcasting. And for that, we are all thankful. Yes. And I'm not we dead were, yet. Well, the, the part where you actually kind of took a, an unplanned vacation and skipped a whole week of podcasts, which disrupted several other hosts. <laughs> well, there was the not doing the rock and roll pre-show. And then that was like, whoa, it's serious. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh. Because. You, I mean, you always do that one for one thing. You love it. And for another, it really doesn't take that much because right. most of the time is spent with music playing. You're sitting there, you're having a good time. You're listening to music. But it's just hard to do when like your whole system's going like. So I, I just want to point out, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, monitoring the troll room as I do. Um, it has been 14 minutes since anybody has said anything in there, which might be an indication we have bored people. So well, I was good. thinking, screw them trolls. Well, there is that, and I totally agree with the sentiment, but how do you feel about talking about children's books? Hey, if we haven't punished them enough, we'll bring, we'll bring Progo back. That's what we will do. <laughs> but yeah, so if you want to talk about children's books and Progo, it's good to see you in the troll room, my friend. And he's back on the uh, donating bandwagon, which I'm thinking we'll get to that in a minute. But if what it takes to get people to donate to Grumpy Old Ben's is to let them co-host a show with you, we just need to start a list. I... Progo How was many like, people do you think would would even see that as a good trade? I don't know. I think Progo might be the only one. Like, oh, I'll pay to talk to Ryan Bembrose. <laughs> if there's anybody I mean, there else, there might be people who hate themselves enough. They're like, I get to talk to Ryan Bembrose and lose money doing it. Yes, it <laughs> sounds like a great deal. I could write kids' uh, books. Yes. So, are you familiar with Roald Dahl? The name sounds familiar. Why do I know that? Uh, so he is an author. Uh, he uh, lived 1916 to 1990. So, um, I mean, 20th century author, um, British, but he wrote, uh, the things you might probably know his books are James and the giant peach, Charlie and the chocolate factory, oh, yeah. the witches, Matilda. Definitely Charlie and the chocolate factory. Yeah. I mean that, that it's been made into like six movies. Yes. So. Most, uh, only one of them good. And that was yeah. the Gene Hackman Gene, one. Gene Wilder. Right. Gene Wilder. Yes. Not. not Hack- well, Gene, Gene Hackman in that role would have been great. That would have been a different role. <laughs> okay. Now I want to see that. Somebody make a deep fake of that. <laughs> it could happen. Yes. Um, well, he, uh, he died in 1990, which by the way, was more than 30 years ago. And it scares me that 1990 was that long ago. But anyway, um, is he might be spinning in his grave right now. Uh, and that is because sensitivity experts at Puffin Publishing, who publish, continue to publish his books, uh, are rereading all of his books and offering suggestions on how to make them more sensitive, more modern, uh, to make them more acceptable to modern audiences. You fucking nailed it. Whoa. Uh huh. Um, and publishers, not writers. And changing the content of books is always a scary thing, but they are doing that. Um, the, the disclaimer attached to the newest version of these books is words matter. The wonderful world words of Roald Dahl can transport you to different worlds and introduce you to the most marvelous characters. This book was written many years ago. And so we regularly review the language to ensure 
that it can continue to be enjoyed by all today. But the big difference is that in the past, when a publisher has gone through and made a revised edition, what they're doing is they're changing like when language changes, like if, if people no longer use the word thou, right. Then they'll turn it, change it to you or a something translation like translation more than anything else. Yeah. It's, it's more a translation. Well, they are translating these books into woke. And um, I, I wrote down in my notes, a ton of examples of what has changed in this. But uh, my, my conclusion on this is that penguin publishing is using woke people to blunt Roald Dahl's wit. Um, his, what, what they say is they, they, they are comparing it to revising a book for archaic language. We want to ensure Roald Dahl's wonderful stories and characters continue to be enjoyed. But yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but here's some examples. Um, Oompa Loompas in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory were uh, in the original were referred to as small men, but now they are small people. Okay, fine. You know, they're gender neutral. Um, we, we don't like, you know, we don't like how Rold was apparently a, a terrible sexist. Uh, um, in James and the Giant Peach, uh, Aunt Sponge was a nasty old brute and deserved to be squashed by the fruit. Became, uh, why did I not? Yes, yes, yes. You've got oh. us on the edge of our seats. I, I'm, yeah, I'm apparently unable to read my notes. It and we used are now to be, teetering. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm failing at this. Uh, it used to be Aunt Sponge was terrifically fat and tremendously flabby at that. And now she's just a nasty old brute because uh, the, the, the main no thrust shaming. of, yeah, there's a lot of fat shaming problems in his books. His, his books are problematic because he thought that people should be a healthy weight. Uh, and his books are problematic because uh, he treated women like women were treated in his day. And we can't have that now. Um, let's see. Well, this uh, is also men. going on. I mean, let's remember it was just a few months ago. Taylor Swift released a video with a shot of a scale that was immediately removed because, oh, that's fat shaming. This is yeah, still going uh, on in, in, in this. Like, this is why we can't have art. This is why people can't make artistic points. This is why the world is so fucked up is that we can't go back and read something and understand you know, if you're if you're reading a book that was written 100 years ago, you understand it was from a different time and you want a glimpse into that time. If publishers are going to take these books and try to modernize them, they are ruining everything about that work. Uh, and, you know, even creating a new work based on it, not a big deal. But the problem, of course, is that thanks to copyright law, Penguin are the only people allowed to create more copies of these books, thanks to copyright law until it's like a hundred years old. They are no, well, he, he wasn't writing in 1916 and also copyright lasts longer than that. But anyway, um, he died in 1990, which means we have 40 more years that those things are. It's, it's life plus 70 of the uh, life of the author plus 70. So 40 more years that penguin are the only people who can author it, which means that you can, it is illegal to print the original text that Roald Dahl wrote because Penguin doesn't want to print the original text and they're the only ones allowed to do it. Now, my question is, luckily, the original text is still out there. Are any of the uh, ebook versions, are those yeah. all new and you can't get the old now? I Well, that depends on whether or not Amazon has reached into your device and replaced it with an auto update. Right. But, like 1984. Um, if you have any physical copies of it from before 2015, those things are going to be worth a lot. Yeah. Scan uh, those some babies. other examples. 
in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Augustus Gloop, which, if you recall, was the kid whose entire character design is he's a glutton. But he's no longer referred to in the book as fat. He is now enormous. Uh, because you can't call him fat. But enormous um, is okay, right? Well, how? In how? I, okay, guys, if you're out there, let's try this tonight. If you're married, tell your wife. there's no such thing yet as enormous shaming. But, right, but I'm just saying. Now, half of you get together, figure out which is which. Tell your wife she looks fat tonight, and the other half say <laughs> you look enormous, and see if anybody has a different experience. Yeah, well, how is my, that? How is that better? That's what I want to know. Uh, in James and the Giant Peach, the uh, M- Mrs. Sponge, the uh, the fat landlord, is now uh, no longer fat. She's just the landlord. I thought uh, she might be experiencing enormousness. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, there's a character in James and the Giant. I, I, the last time I read these, I think I was in grade school when I was reading the originals. Uh, there's a character called Miss Spider who used to have a black head and now just has a head. Um, wait, 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 because it's racist to have a spider that say it's a black head. Yeah, because the spider is an evil character and you cannot refer to any evil characters as having any kind of association with black. Wow. Um, black head lives matter. The witches is probably one of the best revisions uh, because if you, I, I read the book a very long time ago, but there was also a movie that I actually kind of liked the movie from the nineties. But um, the idea behind this is the witches are a group of women. Uh, in fact, they say very specifically, there's no such thing as a male witch. Uh, the warlock. The witches are a group of women who eat little children and otherwise do terrible things. That's, the point, but we can't have the sexist uh, sexism. So, um, for example, one of the things about the book, the witches are all bald. And the reason given is, I don't know, they describe like, uh, I always thought it was some kind of eczema, but it doesn't matter. The witches are all bald and wear wigs, but the new version now, when it describes that the witches all wear wigs, it says, and there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. They just had to add that. Out of nothing. Um, old hag now is old crow. A uh, chambermaid is now cleaner. Uh, the line, <laughs> you must be mad woman, is now you must be out of your mind. Um, the, the passage. Wait, which so describes, wait, how is out of your mind different than mad? Uh, it's not a woman. Ah, like, yeah. okay. It's uh, sexist then. That's the problem. The, there's a passage in the original says, a witch is always a woman. I do not wish to speak badly about women. Most women are lovely, but the fact remains that all witches are women. There is no such thing as a male witch. They took out the, I don't wish to speak badly about women. The women are lovely. And they just said, a witch is always a woman. There's no such thing as a male witch. They took out all the parts that anything that talks about women in general, because I, like I said, this is, these are touches that were part of Roald Dahl's culture and the way that he wrote his books and they're being blunted. For the sake of wokeness, because the woke have some kind of genetic defect that prevents them from considering a work in its context. The only they everything that they experience, everything they see, every story they hear, they are incapable of supplying a context other than the one they are experiencing right now. And that's why all of history must be judged by today. I might be wrong about that, but I just wanted to make fun of the woke because they they really genuinely do not consider 
works in their own context. No. It is always in everything in the past must be judged by the standards of today, which is absolutely destructive to our culture. Well, um, and there were lines which the uh, Pogue song, which is a, a great Christmas classic. It's been voted the number one Christmas song in the UK for like 20 years. You know, there's lines in it like you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot. And now this is coming under fire. And the songwriter Shane McGowan's like, it's a character. Characters have flaws. Characters are racist. You know, char- yeah. the fact that you can no longer tell a story where a character. Yeah, the idea that a character says something in a work yes. now must be judged as the author is that person. Yes. Which which is true for some really crappy authors who only write Mary Sue novels, but the good <laughs> authors don't tend to do that. But it's like for the character. I mean, how boring of a world do you live in if you can't have any characters who are flawed and racist and bad people? And, you know, this is you got to have a it's not a good villain if they're like nice, sweet, happy people. What was the the there's a quote Lysander Spooner, I think, said uh, the mark of a developed mind is the ability to entertain a thought without adopting it. That would make sense. I like that. And there are a lot of people who literally do not have that ability. Um, so a couple of the other small examples uh, in the book, Mr. Fox, which I didn't read. Apparently there are uh, small foxes who have been changed to be explicitly female foxes. Now <laughs> I don't know why I don't understand. I don't know what context the small foxes are or what, what, purpose they have in the book but now they're all female hey somebody Um, queue up the doors 20th century fox and just play along when reading (laughs) the book in in the book matilda uh there was a reference to rudyard kipling which who was contemporary to doll's work but has been changed now to jane austen i have no idea why oh my god um well how dare uh, you mention a male author we need to mention abroad uh, a, a description of a character again. I don't think I ever read Matilda, but a description of a character uh, in roles in Doll's words was her great horsey face, and now it's just been <laughs> changed to her face. Now, if that doesn't remove meaning and metaphor, I don't know what does. Yeah, we can't have descriptive words. Uh, turning white got changed to turning quite pale. Wow. Um, and eight nutty little idiots got turned into eight nutty little boys. So that's wait, wait, a little so wait, reverse that, sexism. Wait, yeah, that, that's I mean, introducing sexism. Uh huh. We are increasing the sexism here, but it's okay because it's but it's okay because it's against men. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, absolutely. This is this is scary stuff, really. So, I, the whole thing is, uh, you know, congratulations, Penguin Publishing is it, taken individually. Every one of these is not completely destroying the the meaning of the book, although I particularly thought that removing her great horsey face uh, yeah okay you might not like that metaphor but it's a very descriptive metaphor saying her face is not descriptive at all so you are changing the long face but taken individually each one of these might not be that bad but the entire thing is it feels like it is about the seventh or eighth step down a slippery slope yeah that the publisher is now editorializing it used to be that they only modified works for for grammar for punctuation and now whatever the author actually said the publisher is now going to go through and rewrite it and and i'm sure that if there are authors out there listening to me who go through publishers they're probably telling me like well duh of course the publisher always does this everything that i write 
They just rewrite and then they pay me a pittance of a royalty. And maybe that's just a normal thing, but I still don't like it. So my advice to authors is if you publish, if you go, especially if you go through a big publisher, read your contract very carefully and cross out all of the parts of the dummy contract you're given that let them change your words without your permission. Well, I'm going to expand this because everything that we've discussed here and I've discussed at length on randomthoughts.com, the ability to do this now exists. Download every movie and television show you want to keep because they now have the ability to change the audio in the actor's voice. They can change the way their mouths are moving. Yeah. They can change everything. And they this can is, make Han shoot first. Well, of course, as George Lucas did, but it's going to get even more nefarious than that. I mean, we've talked about just how problematic using the left's favorite word shows like Friends and Seinfeld were because of the humor that doesn't quite work in today's society. Just wait to Seinfeld gets this treatment. Yeah. Just and, wait. And again, we're back to people are they, these people are incapable of considering a work in its context. They, I, I literally don't think that they have the ability. What would they do with the soup Nazi? I'm just wondering what would censor it with that episode it problematic. Well, I'm, they're going to have to change Hansel him. Seinfeld. Well, no, they're just going to change it. They're going to take that episode and they're going to change soup Nazi to something else. And that will be forever be changed in Jerry's voice and Elaine's voice and Kramer's voice. Everybody that says soup Nazi, they will be able to change that in the voice of the character to something else. And it'll be and like course, soup Nazi never existed. And of course, you're absolutely correct here. You're, you're definitely onto something that that Penguin Publishing or uh, Puffin Publishing, I'm sorry, which is part of Penguin, are, right? A Puffin Penguin, same damn thing. Might not be the same company. I don't yeah, Puffin care, is part of a Penguin. I think it is part of Penguin. It's like their children's Penguin. version. Puffin is also what you do if you smoke, which uh, some people, some characters did in Roald Dahl's books, but that's all been removed too. Oh wait, you can't have smoking. That's evil. You can't have that. No. Yeah, yeah. All the all the references to smoking have been removed. Really? Um, they are using sensitivity readers who happen to be human. But that is so 2016. They AI should be doing this. AI should be reading these books and automatically correcting and going, silly human, you actually meant to say this woke thing. And then you're, you know, you can do that on the fly. Somebody writes up a Facebook post that is racist because they say it's okay to be white. And the AI will soon, if it doesn't already happen, will soon be able to just step in and go, you actually meant to say pale and not white. Yes. And you're right. It is AI that's doing this. It's available. If you want to try this yourself, there is a service slash website called pseudo right that you can get a free trial and you can put in any something you've written or a story up to uh, 10,000 words. I think it was for free and it will have AI readers. However, they do this, read the story and comment on the story. Now, it wasn't 100% perfect, but it was pretty good. The feedback like, well, this between these characters, this I'd like to see a little more fleshed out. I, you know, I thought the dialogue was very well written and flowed well. It's very interesting to see what they're doing with this computerized stuff. And and this current version of AI overlords, it this all started with spell checking. The moment that they started putting spell checking in, it was like that was the first step down the slope. And I never trusted spell checking. Like I said, I learned on books. I'm a very good speller. I turned that shit off. But then after spell checking, they started grammar checking. Right. 
And, and you're sitting here and I'm like, I know how to write motherfucker. <laughs> Stop telling me to use different words. This is perfectly valid English. It just might not be the English that's programmed into your rudimentary set of if then statements, which is the precursor to AI. It, it's all downhill from there. Oh yeah. Because the, I, the complex things that it's looking for and that it can do, I can see where it may be helpful if you're a fledgling writer that in you, and you find yourself saying the same things in the same way all the time, then the technology is probably great. But the ability for it to go through and read stories and go, whoa, they, they mentioned smoking. We need to take that out. Oh, they said this misogynistic word. We need to take that out. Oh, they referred to this woman as fat. We need to take that out. You don't even have to have humans do this anymore. You're absolutely right. The AI can read this, look for certain things. And then just suggest the edits and whether a human really comes ever back to uh, decide just the edits. Right. It's no, just going to no, do the gonna, edits. They're going to just do the edits and and you won't. It'll be like shadow banning. You won't even know that the original wasn't that. Right. Which is why you have to download everything, man. Buy yeah. hard drives. You, you, I mean, they are going to be introducing this on, you know. Well, something went click. What was that? Something went click and then there was no more. IRC. Yeah, you're okay. You're, you're failing here. The audio, we are, we, we have lost Bemrose. People have been waiting for that sentence for a long time on this show. We have lost Bemrose. It's the AI bot in Xfinity identifying problem, problematic things with our podcast and auto censoring them. I'm worried that Xfinity keeps saying that 10 G is coming to my area soon, because that means they're going to be doing a lot of this where things are just going to drop. I don't know how many more G's I can handle. I know. I know. So we'll just edit all that out. People won't even know what happened. And I don't remember where we was, except we were, we were going, I I don't either, but apparently we were done talking about that. Uh, I can tell you about, yeah, it's coming. I can tell you about Washington Senate bill 5209. I, 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 I'm sorry, that was just me pretending that we had lost connection again, but go go ahead. Your brain might be losing connection, (laughs) but you you should know about this one. Uh, A similar bill, also known as House Bill 1220, and uh, the Washington Senate has now moved out of committee and is going to go to the floor soon. Uh, This is submitted by State Representative Charlotte Mina from Tacoma. The law says that each registered voter will be required to either cast a ballot or provide a valid reason for not casting a ballot Whoa. with the option to cast a blank ballot. Uh, if you do not submit a ballot, you must get a waiver according to the force of this law. So they're um, forcing people to vote. That's the plan. That's what the legislation moving through the Washington state legislature is now doing or is right now. That's not American. Well, and why the hell do they need people to vote? It's an all mail-in ballot state. It's not like what people are actually want means anything in this state anyway. Uh, uh, the po- population of the state all casts their ballots, and then the people who count and tally will look at that and go, ah, oh, that's cute, and throw them all in the shredder and just print up a bunch of ballots for Democrats. That's how right. politics works in this state. And I'm assuming be- being that it is your state that this woman is a Democrat. Oh, of course. What? Well, and she's from Tacoma, so well, that's, that's true. True. What what this says to me though stronghold is they believe all the lazy people who don't vote that there's more lazy people who don't vote that will vote their way than the other way. Yeah, which I don't think is a valid assumption. But probably uh, not. I mean, 
but it does it does do a really good job of uh, exemplifying the leftist mindset. I'm just going to go out, come out and say this is definitely something you've seen on the progressive side is the progressive authoritarian side. Use the government like a cudgel and compel the behavior that you want at gunpoint. This is fine. This is what we want. Uh, we think more people should vote. Let's point guns at them until they do. That is a perfectly natural route to take inside the brain of a progressive authoritarian. And, uh, you know, so the, the law, it, it, well, okay. First of all, the law does not, it, it says you are required by law to cast a ballot or get a waiver. There are no penalties or enforcement anywhere in there. So of course it's not really a law. It really, there's absolutely nothing happens according to this bill. If you don't do it. So obviously it's just virtue signaling. It's not like there's any force of anything, but just saying it's a law is going to make a lot of people go, Oh no, I really should do this. And a lot of other people, uh, you know, the, the next step is, well, we notice a lot of people are flouting this law. Let's go ahead and point guns at them. Well, I like the, we're going to force you to submit a ballot, but you can submit a blank one. Yeah. So, which I guess they're betting on people not doing. Now, the nefarious thing that this would do if, if it were actually enforced or if it, if it even passed, I don't think it has much chance of passing. I just think the audacity is crazy is to maximize the low information voters, the people who couldn't, cannot be fucked to go and even learn the names of the people running are now going to be forced to put down a name on the ballot. And a lot, you know, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people out there who really don't care about politics, who genuinely, I, I know several of them. I work very hard, rant very hard, bludgeon with guilt trips over and over again. There are a lot of people who just like get pissy with me, like stop talking about politics all the time. I'm like, this shit's important, but they don't want to because politics is tiresome. So they choose not to be informed. That should absolutely be your right to be uninformed. You, I will never require you to understand what the hell is going on with politics. But I maintain that if you choose to be ignorant, you should not vote. And this bill is going out and saying, hey, all of these millions of people who genuinely cannot be bothered to learn what is going on in politics, we need you to mark a name down on a ballot. And of course they don't know anything. So the people who introduce this legislation are just betting on, well, they don't know what the names mean and they can't be bothered to figure out the issues. So they're just going to put a check mark next to the one that says D and be done with their day. I think earth pipe is absolutely right. First step, force people to vote. Second step, watch people vote. Uh, that might already be happening. I'm, remember, Washington is an all mail-in ballot state, so there's really not anything resembling voting, voting going on here anyway. You but, will vote the way we want you to, comrade. And I've got, I, I, I just, I, I really, really hate the compelled part of this one. I've got, I've got a song by Rush running through my head, and you know exactly which song it is. Tom uh, Sawyer. If you choose, free will. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. This is true. I, I, and so I went ahead and I, I, I dug into this one and here's one of the reasons why I, well, okay. 
This doesn't matter if it'll pass the Washington state legislature because the state legislature is run entirely by Democrats and the party as a whole have demonstrated over and over again that they could not give a flying crap about what's constitutional. But this law violates the compelled speech doctrine of the Constitution, which is an interpretation of the First Amendment established by the Supreme Court in the West Virginia Board of Education versus Barnett, who at the time held that the state cannot force children to stand, salute the flag, or recite the Pledge of Allegiance in the classroom. Uh, that doctrine has been used over and over again, is now called the compelled speech doctrine, which basically says that government cannot compel you to say anything as, as a part of the First Amendment, as a part of freedom of speech. You have the option, protected by the First Amendment, according to the Supreme Court, to not say anything at all. They cannot force you to say something. And, uh, the quote that I got out of this from Justice Robert H. Jackson, who was on the Supreme Court at the time, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official high or petty can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein, which was, goes exactly to the Pledge of Allegiance, where you know you pledge to the flag under God. That they say is compelling religion. But the thing that bothers me more about the pledge of allegiance is the very idea that you should pledge your allegiance to uh, something that you might not believe in. That's compelled speech. And that's why when I was a kid, my teachers got really cranky with me when I sat down and stayed silent for the pledge of allegiance that we were still required to, to recite every morning in homeroom, but uh, they couldn't stop me. Not if they even tried. And sometimes they did, but yeah, I, bet they did. I know I didn't know about <laughs> West Virginia Board of Education versus Barnett at the time. And I didn't know the phrase compelled speech doctrine, but I knew that they could not force me to say those words when I didn't believe them. Now, the song goes in my wrong. head. Yeah, is I, uh, I like the United States of America. I like a lot of the things it stands for. I certainly like the the ideas that it was founded under. I don't like the country as it has become today. And I sure as hell am not pledging allegiance to it. I'm telling you, my allegiance I did. belongs to me and the people who've earned my respect. Wow. This is almost, uh, well, this is more, this is back in 2019. So this is four years ago. I did the random thoughts episode number 22 on the song camouflage of righteousness by the lefty little Steven. And even he re uh, responded to that when I did it, which I thought was pretty cool, but go back and listen to that. The lyrics of that song continually get to be more and more true with what is going on today. There is no question about it, uh, including the lyric. We give you politicians and you call it choice. We let you do the voting and you think you have a voice. I mean, there you go. Yeah, we control the information. You call yourself informed. We give you our religion and you believe it's yours. I mean, he hit this thing so has, has he head. spent any time in a hot tub since then? A, a lot, but he's a lefty, so they like him, so it's okay. Oh, oh okay. But he wrote this, of course, because he was very anti-Ronald Reagan and the Republican. So it's very interesting to me to have a songwriter that I know wrote this about the side that I would overall agree with. And I'm like, no, no, I can use this against your side, too. That's the beauty of a good lyric. Well, is that it's a good lyric. But is it not also evident that there's not that much difference between 
big government Republicans and big government Democrats. They're just kind of the same party. I think so. I mean, there's another uh, couple of lines here. We offer you diversion on any channel you choose. We give you bread and circus and you still call it news. That's right. And then even the most telling out of all, we orchestrate your hatred. It's as clear as white and black. We select your history and you believe it's fact. I mean, this whole song is just oh, spitting that, fire, man. Yep. It's like, damn, you hit it so close to reality. But there's a lot of people that still don't understand. They don't believe it. That's like, no, no, I'm, I, I believe what I hear. It's like, well, then you're in big trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble because as we're i mean just the stuff we're talking about today books yeah. are changing it's like and i bet you there's you know maybe there is but I, I would be very surprised if they're printing these books for kids because most kids i don't think are using e-readers maybe they are but if they're printing out paper versions of these books is there going to be a big thing at the front like this book has been changed due to yeah you know it's like the, the disney that there were people that uh really started getting pissed at disney when when they ran it was when they were still running some of these movies you know like dumbo or song of the south when they were still running these on the disney channel they added the big screen beforehand like oh these movies were made in a time a much different time and does not necessarily yeah. reflect just like charlie and the chocolate factory where we can no longer have oompa loompas be men uh-huh Oompa loompa dippity <laughs> oh my doo. god no no just fucking no get that in your head and it never leaves man no just fucking no <laughs> it never leaves i'm telling you that's the beauty of art it's supposed to get under your skin and yes, when you're well, when you're sanitizing it i just don't get it we're 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 going to get a disclaimer at the beginning of every book now is uh you know this this book has been modified from the original it has been formatted to fit your culture uh-huh I mean, can you watch any 70s porn now? How are they changing that? Just curious. Uh, it, it turns out I wasn't watching porn in the 70s, so I'm not don't really have a good <laughs> state of or reference for that. You weren't trying to get like Cinemax in by well, actually here it was on TV where you were trying to uh, when it was over the air, but you had to buy a box, which was a very simple box on descrambling yeah, it, the signal. Actually, in, in the 80s, we, you know, well, I got a descrambler much later, but uh, I never had cable. So uh, I was descrambling Skinamax in the early 90s when I was away at college. Nice. But uh, when I went over to my friend's house who did have cable when I was younger, we used to just watch scrambled Cinemax because you could still kind of make out a nipple. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was the big fun. You're like, hey, look, I think that was the one. I think that was one. Yeah. Right there. I think you know, now it's gone. Oh, the good old days of the analog scramblers. I know. Well, and even the digital ones I had, uh, allegedly, I'm sure the, uh, the, what do you call it? The statute of limitations is long gone, but when direct TV was in its early stages, you could just buy a programmer to reprogram the cards and get every channel that you wanted to. That was fun too. That's those days are long gone as well. Sadly. Well, I mean, there's still the technology it's called BitTorrent. This is true. Well, this is exactly it. Like I saw an article that said that Peacock, which is Xfinity Comcast's uh, streaming channel, their their version of Hulu was no longer going to be free to people that have their services. That's going to go paid. And I'm like, well, I'll never pay for that because exactly. I'll just go get the content where I can still get it free. Sure. 
again, <laughs> it's it's amazing how now that the companies are starting to crack down, people are just putting going going to the closet, dragging out the pirate hat they used to wear and putting it back on. Darg, it still exists, uh, kitties. Did we, was it on this show? Did we talk about uh, Netflix's anti-password sharing moves? We may have, but it's, it's if it, we, actually, it might've been angry tech news. It may. Now, is it actually hit the uh, fruition? Cause I heard that it was coming and then they pulled it back. And then has anybody really had problems yet? Because I think it was the last I heard, it was supposed to be something like, well, they're going to make you verify your phone or something again. And it's like, well, if you're sharing a password, with grandma well then grandma will just call you on the phone and go okay i need the four digits they just texted to you i just yeah and that certainly happens but they're going way past this now um in fact the i i found the notes it was in last week's angry tech news which i had moved to atn when i found out we weren't doing a gob but this was definitely one that i had wanted to hit you with because i know you have opinions on on what i'm about to bring up um so the, it is not in the United States yet. It is in uh, Latin America and now also Portugal, Spain, New Zealand, and Canada. It is now live. Um, so, you know, can, Scandinavians up above us are, are going to be able to tell us what a pain in the ass this is before Netflix inflicts it on their main audience in the United States. Yeah, they're real customers. But, uh, some of the details... Um, you have to set your in your account. You will be required to set your quote primary location, um, which uh, so when it turns on, I, the impression I got is uh, it's going to pop up a modal dialogue that says, "In order to continue, can you confirm that this is where you live?" Something like that, and uh, you can do it from your home Wi-Fi, <clears throat> but you can't do it from over the air or from a, a network, I guess. Um. After that, they are real short on details exactly how they're doing it. Uh, but any device logged in from your primary location just works, which I'm betting is IP address. Um, oh, of course. And if they detect that you are logging into your account from a place that is not your primary location, then they will block the device. But if you, before you go out on a trip, if you're going on a vacation, if you ask Netflix for a one-time code for your device, then you can use that for up to a week at like a hotel or a holiday rental or something like that. Um, but only if you requested it from Netflix first, uh, otherwise they'll block any device that tries to log into your account. Um, if you log in a mobile device into Wi-Fi at your home location, then that device is whitelisted for 30 days. So that's probably, you know, it maybe, maybe you password share now by taking your smart TV over to your buddy's house, logging into his Wi-Fi and then taking it back <laughs> out. I don't know. Um, and, uh, oh, what else? I'm, I'm looking over the notes that I haven't read in a while. Well, Easy UI to transfer a profile to a new account, of course. Uh, Members can still easily watch Netflix on their personal devices or log into a new TV. No details on how easily. Um, I guess the thing that, that I really wanted to get your position on is uh, how are they going to enforce this? And uh, why is geolocation bad? Well, because it can be beaten already, for one. 
you know, that's the, the biggest answer, which it seems like what they're doing and which doesn't make sense either because Netflix has never been sold as something that you have to watch on your television at home. You could watch it on any device. So that means you have a family account and you have the husband works at one place. The wife works at another, the two kids, you know, are at school, whatever it is. But all of you during your lunch break, you want to watch Netflix when you're not at home. So Netflix is going to pop up a helpful UI that explains how you can pay them more money for the purpose of doing that. Yes. Now what you can do is very simply spend the extra $3 a month, get yourself a Nord VPN account. They do not sponsor this show and other VPN companies may do this. I don't know for sure because I have a Nord VPN account and that's what I use, but Nord VPN. Now I don't think this is a coincidence rolled out this particular feature right about the time talk of Netflix doing this came out, which Nord VPN has a feature called MeshNet, which oh, yeah. allows you to log in from your home, which is what Netflix wants you to do. And you can add other devices, including friends, because this is perfect for playing land parties. Sure. You connect your friends to your mesh net. And what then they end up doing is they're watching Netflix through your connection at home. So you just yeah, put all not? your kids on the mesh net. And then isn't, isn't this a little bit similar to that Winston thing that you had? That is similar, in? except that was sending you to different areas to try to anonymize all your traffic. That's right. This is sending all of your traffic back to your home router, basically, is what it's doing. And yeah. it's making it easy to do that. So it's a proxy. Yes. So you put yeah. this on, you get the Netflix, uh, you get your uh, NordVPN, and you connect to that. And then you watch Netflix, and it looks like everybody's at the same IP address. Easy peasy. Yeah, why not? Which means, um, you know. Now, now, you could get the NordVPN and pay $4 a month, or... Uh, Netflix has a competing service and let me know if this sounds up or like something you would, you would definitely do instead of paying Nord $4 a month. Uh, members on our standard or premium plan can add an extra member sub account for up to two people. They don't live with each with a profile, personalized recommendations, login and password for an extra $8 a month. That seems like it's more. <laughs> it seems like it's more uh-huh. and only helps you for one service. Yeah. And it's less convenient. So, I mean, people will get around it. I mean, I understand why Netflix is in the predicament that they're in. Yeah, because they started making really crappy content. They lost all of the good content from other providers. They overreached themselves with their production work. Um, They made their UI worse and worse and worse. And then, uh, you know, rode the wave of everybody stuck at home to just rake in a bunch of money and create a bunch of woke content. Nobody wants. And then when everybody started going back to work, they went, how come everyone's turning away? No, everybody who's here and started strangling their existing customers before they lose them all. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? And there's way too many streaming services now. Oh yes. Competition. And Netflix came up when they basically had the new idea and were amazing with it. And competition popped up. Well, it's funny because people make fun of Blockbuster because they had the ability at one point to buy Netflix for 50 million and went, nope. Yeah. And that seemed like a really bad decision. And it probably was kind of like AOL or AOL buying Time Warner. Well, there was a time that it seemed like Netflix was 
so stable and so financially secure that they would never go away. I can't say that anymore. I could see a time where Netflix goes under. It's not what it once was. It's not or, the or at least becomes irrelevant. Yes. And that would I mean, send them right out. They are still a production studio. And as long as they are capable of doing that, they're going to have exclusives, which by the way, uh, having a lot of streaming services is not the problem. The problem is there's a lot of streaming services, each with their own exclusive. So you end up like, right. if you want to watch Star Trek, you pay eight ninety nine a month. If you want to watch, well, I was about to say Stranger Things, but I honestly don't know what's current on Netflix. I don't care. I don't know what's but, current, but I've just been watching, although I don't have a Netflix account. So you figure it out, kiddos. Yeah, I've been watching The Ranch which is the uh, Ashton Kushner and Danny Masterson and Sam Elliott show. That's a Netflix show. And I'm watching it. I like the show. It's a funny, it's a good comedy. And it's kind of a throwback to comedies of like the eighties and nineties. And it's definitely not woke. It's actually funny. And I was thinking, you know what, this would be great. I think my parents would enjoy watching it, but it's not worthy of getting Netflix just for that. And I looked and it's like, they've never made this available as a DVD or Blu-ray or anything. And it's like, well, you're just leaving money on the table then because they really think, and that's the mentality. Like we really think we can force you to get a subscription to watch one show. And this again is where piracy starts looking like a much better solution. Yeah. The, the services are only economic when you get into the $10 a month category but that's too much money for one show and uh, you're not good you know, if if you're a uh, paramount and the only thing you have is alex kurtzman star trek and you think that you can support your entire network on on really shitty shows that say star trek on the title screen but aren't right uh, right because <laughs> we just keep well like star wars they keep diluting the name by yeah. putting more and more stuff. Noah Jenna millennial in the troll room says his parents like the ranch. So it must be horrible. I guess I'm old. <laughs> there was, there was a line you, where you could be his parent. You know that, right? True. Somebody says uh, to the Sam Elliott character, who is great in this and Sam Elliott's I like great. Sam Elliott. Yeah. He's, he's good. I like him a lot too. And somebody makes the comment to him like, Oh yeah, you're going to wind up, you know, dead in your spaghetti, you know, with Bill O'Reilly on the TV. And he looks up at him and he's like, God willing. <laughs> I was like, I like it is a really well done show. I like it. I mean, that that's basically how my dad went See, right. There you go. He, See, he, he had a heart attack in his lazy boy in front of Fox news. Yeah, well, that'll do it to you because and, well, that we all know he, he that's also, the, the story behind all of these networks and all the social media is they want to get you pissed off because that's the way you stay around longer. Yeah. Well, it, it works. Unless you die. He also died on uh, November 6th or 7th of 2016. Right. Right. The election day. Basically, it was election day or within one or two days. And uh, I know that Fox was was definitely cranking up the scare tactics, trying to get the vote out for Trump, saying, if you aren't voting right now, then Hillary's going to get elected. And I, I still swear Hillary Clinton murdered my dad. That seems logical. Sarah Silverman just had like a nine minute bit on exactly what the media and social media is doing. I pulled part of it for planet rage, but it went on longer and longer. And she did have a bunch of clips from Fox news. And I said, you know, it's a little disingenuous because I know 
the other side does this as well when it comes to MSNBC or CNN. But all of the clips from Fox News that were going into a story with, this is going to make your blood boil. Well, this next story is going to piss you off. Well, this is really <laughs> going to make you hit the road. You know, it's like, wow, yeah, you, it's so I'm, obvious what they're doing. I don't. It, well, there's telling you what they're doing. Yes. Yes. This it, story is going to piss you off. What what annoys me the most is that there are a lot of people who don't recognize they are the only truth you're going to get on that network is when they tell you we're going to manipulate your emotions for the purpose of dragging you into our product. Yeah. And they're not using those words, but that's exactly what they say when this is going to make your blood boil. Well, okay. (laughs) And for whatever reason, that's what keeps people on social media and watching regular media. That's what keeps people involved, which is why you wonder why everything you see on social media pisses you off. Because if everything made you happy, you would go away and do other things. Yeah. This is the same reason why I, stick around no agenda social it's all only for the flat earth memes and it's like well here on grumpy old bands if everything that we read in the tech and political sphere made us happy there'd be no show oh could you imagine if i was genuinely happy no no i I, cannot (laughs) i have a tough time with that one too i'd be like what the hell happened to bemrose it it wouldn't you'd be like i did did they have you been activated did did your programming? <laughs> yes. Have you, wait, was your, uh, did you get a new patch over the Wi-Fi? How, how was that lobotomy? <laughs> yeah, they've updated the Bemrose firmware. What yeah. are you up to now? 2.0 finally? Yeah. Uh, Bem- Bemrose finally got an, an, uh, un, <laughs> a, an automatic update. Yeah, Bemrose accidentally walked into a hot zone and got a Wi-Fi update to his. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Do not let that happen. Do not let that happen. You have to support the show so Ryan can keep his current firmware. Yes. It's very it's, important. It's the, it's the 1977 firmware, and I'm perfectly happy with it, and I do not require an update. We do have a few people to thank for today's show because we are, oh, believe it or not, a value-for-value value podcast. Sometimes we're just a value podcast. And the four value. I didn't get paid at all last week. There were zero donations to Angry Tech News, and then we didn't get a GOB. They were like crickets. We don't know what's going on. But we do have a few today. I mean, that's, we're not we're, we're not buying like new cars or houses or even food this week, but we're getting something in, which is good. And uh, coming in at number one, which means he is our executive producer for today's show. I don't know if he's in the troll room right now. Don't see the, the names in there. Blom from the Netherlands coming in with 20 bucks. And of nice. course, he spells it with a 10 in the middle yeah, there. And B- I was like, B10M. Yeah. B10M. He says, hey, Ben's. Here's another donation to make the begging stop. Well, that's never going to happen, Blum. Yeah. I, I, hello, 20 bucks. Are we really that cheap? <laughs> and now, if the it was price if, to make the begging stop is a lot higher than that. Yeah. You add like two more zeros and then the begging will stop for like a week. A week. <laughs> then it's back immediately. He says <laughs> that should shave off a few minutes of the pod, which is valuable to all listeners, experts slash me. Greetings from the Netherlands. Fuck the EU. Yes. Fuck the EU. We do not support the EU unless you're in the EU, and but then you should get out. You should get out quickly. Come to America. They're letting everybody in. They are. And then coming in at 12 bucks, the and, and aforementioned. Then, and then leave. Oh, what? The aforementioned Progo coming in with 12 bucks via snail oh. mail. Like I said, this is a whole new thing. People that will pay to come on and co-host a show with you. I, this sounds like a business model for like, 
free customers. Yeah. Who else is on that list? We'll, we'll open up an email and see who's going to come in. You just come in at uh, just email Darren or Ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com and be like, yes, I will pay to podcast with Ryan Bemrose. Yeah. How, how do we get Larry on this deal? He's I, a lot of fun to podcast with. Yeah. Larry's always fun. He'll come on anytime. I bet. Larry's you know, not hard he to would. get. <laughs> he's like, I want to hear. He's like, he's always says you're fabulous. And every time he says the fabulous Ryan Bemrose, fabulous. right. Cause he means it in such a nice way, but that's all I yeah. hear in my head is like fabulous. Well, I know. Oh, I know what Larry means. I listen to his podcast. He's not subtle about what he means when he says things. He will say it and you will understand and he will take no shit and you will be at the dojo and you will be happy to have Larry preaching the word, especially from the Sunday morning service that he does, which is a little different than the Sunday morning service of the best damn podcast in the universe. Is he still doing Sinner Sunday? Every now and then. I like those shows, though, because I am a uh, reformed Irish Catholic boy, which means I haven't set foot in a church in quite a while, but I still. I'm a believer. You know, I, I, my religion hasn't changed. I just think that the corporate God providers, as Larry calls them, do in fact suck. Uh, I I'm with you there. You know, the funny thing is uh, I, I was, both of my parents were separately raised where they had religion spoon fed down their throat and they were raised in the 1960s when, you know, rejecting culture was the in thing. And so both of them, ended up ultimately becoming not particularly religious. So I wasn't raised with religion and I never really had religion. And it, it's not that I, per, you know, it's not that I particularly became an atheist because as far as I'm concerned, atheism is also a religion the way a lot of people do. Well, it. especially today. Yes. Especially modern, you know, the, anybody who goes out and screams, you know, there is no God. Well, okay. You're just shouting, you're proselytizing, you're shouting your own religious bigotry. Okay, fine. You know, I, I was never raised with religion. It just wasn't something that entered my mind all that much. So I've never been particularly religious. But as you know, I am the kind of person where if something becomes popular for the wrong reasons, I start to resist it because, you know, fuck everything that's popular. And the number of people out there who have just embraced the kind of non-religious nihilism and are now trying to demonize Christians is making me look at this and go, you know, if, if it's such a threat to the progressive morons that are destroying the earth, right? Maybe there's something to this Christianity. That makes some sense because they do seem to feel that it is a, a huge speed bump at the very least in the way of them getting what they want. So, hey, you got to find out, you got to explore all things. Not everything is right for everybody, but exploring them, getting a little more information, always a good thing. And, and you know, I, as, as much as I wasn't religious and I don't, I don't think I even really, you know, my parents identified as Christian for the purpose of saying you have to put down religion on a form. I never put down, you know, I'd leave that slot blank. I didn't identify as a religion. I don't identify, you know that, but. For the purpose of considering myself an educated person, I read the Bible when I was young. If you open like, the door and there's a couple of Hare Krishnas that are like, we would like to talk to you about Jesus. Do you say, I'd like to talk to you about Satan? Yeah, they get the same shotgun that everyone else does. 
Like, get off my lawn. Pretty much. Get off my land. Like um, you, you got 10 seconds before I start shooting. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I would like to tell you about the castle state doctrine. Yes. Which, or the, the castle doctrine. He's coming right at me. Yeah. I tell you. No, if, if somebody steps over the threshold of my house, I don't have to. There are no excuses. I, I can murder you if you're in my house. Which is and really it explains why few people go to dinner at your place. Kind of. <laughs> Always look at that dinner I, invitation. I'm totally okay with that, really. Look at that in a whole new light. If Ryan ever says, hey, come over for dinner. Just remember what he just said. If you enter his house, he can shoot you for any reason he wants. Keep that in the yeah. back of your mind. Or alternatively, try not to piss me off. Right. And have a bring a bottle of wine and some coffee. That'll keep everybody happy. It come, does help. Coming in with $10.10, Anastasia Treckles. That is a monthly donation. And I'm betting even though this was the first one, knowing Progo, if yeah. he went into his bank and set up a bill pay thing, it's probably a monthly again from Progo. It, it's starting to sound a little bit monthly. Because it seems like uh, a lot of work to do otherwise. And we know programmers are lazy. They want to press that button once and be like, I want to set it and forget it. Our buddy Serenivus Murti coming in with $10.01. But yeah, Anastasia Treckle, she knows your trick of coming in at $10.01. That's why she came in with $10.10. <laughs> Srini's winning over on a Planet Rage. It's a 1001 is always coming in a little bit behind the next guy that's coming in at 10 bucks. This competition pleases me. Um, but do you have any recommendations for how we can get these totals higher? Um, that's a good question. We'll, we'll think on it. Let's let's have a meeting. We have a Sir Truck Driver coming in with his five dollar monthly, and our buddy Brian Hall with his two ninety three, which I think is the longest running monthly donation. And I think the bottom line with all of this, with all of the podcasting right now, is tell somebody about the show. Try to get yeah. the show into more ears because there's we, a. We know that donations are down across the board. That's what happens when money gets tight. When yes. money gets tight. Charity is always the first thing to go. It's elective. That's anybody who operates on charity needs to understand that. You're going to hear a lot of whining and bitching coming out of podcasters whose income has come down, but this is just universal. When money is tight, charity goes, but something that doesn't cost you any money at all. Tell people about the show, right? Tell, tell people, Hey, you know, there's this podcast I listen to. There's this guy. He is so unhinged. You've just got to hear him. Also, he there's this guy named Ryan who's oh same guy. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. Turns out same guy. He's on hinge. You gotta hear this. It's crazy. You know, and you could do that's funny. I just did a listener count. 86, the exact same as Planet Rage, which I which on was on uh yesterday. And I fully believe that it's the same people that listen to every one of these shows. And there's no might be. And nobody has a friend outside of the group. This which is the, tells me that Larry and I Yeah. Larry and I are not interesting and you're the only reason people listen to this show. Possibly. I could just do it. No, if I, well, actually that's not true. Cause the show I do by myself, which would the only one live I do by myself is the rock and roll pre-show. I get like 500, 600 people there. This is, well, like, yeah, but those people aren't listening for you. Oh, they're there. They're rocking. They're rolling. I got to get them listening trolling. for the rock and they're listening for no agenda. I mean, you picked absolutely the best time slot. Is that the best time slot? Just leading right in to the behemoth. Yes. That is the no agenda. Especially show. when, Especially when you get the big hosts then spending 10 minutes of their show talking about you. I mean, is that, is that how it works? You can't buy that kind of publicity. 
when Dvorak, he never likes what I play. I don't know why. I Does that matter? He no. keeps saying your name. I know. It's like, no. why is he playing that Springsteen? That sucks. So I played some Rihanna. He had to like the Rihanna, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> that was garbage. I don't want to hear that Dvorak. either. Yeah. If he's not complaining, he's not happy. But that's the whole beauty of the No Agenda show and this whole network. And if people can turn other people onto the show, that is definitely helpful. You don't think it would help, but go out and we need you to make friends. Obviously we need you to make more friends and then tell them about the show. So if you're out at the mall, do people still go to the mall? If you're out at your favorite Mexican restaurant, wherever you are, I'm pretty sure only, only AI bots go to the mall anymore. Probably. Cause why would anybody else want to go shop when you can just order the stuff online? But it's how, you know, it is, I get it. The Joe Biden economy is not doing anybody any favors. So do what you can to support the shows that you like listening to, to try to keep them around for the long haul. I mean, I know I don't usually listen to the donation segment, even on my own show, but did we talk about boosts? We did not. Because I have uh, that came in during this show. Uh, a boost for 17,776 sats from Booberry, who is the, the patron saint of every show that's awesome, says, please send MIDI karma. Last night, I discovered how to map mix to the roadcaster. Very legal. Very cool. Had to tell the heavenly choirs to turn it down since it was 420 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, Booberry likes to run all the things through all the things. Yes. He is he's the an electrician. Man. Yeah, he's an electrician. You give him metal connectors. He's going to find ways to put them together in ways that people don't understand. It's like we, we got him hooked up with the Motu system and selling it as the fact that there's so many ins and out on the Motu that he's figured out how to take all the Motu ins and outs and integrate them with the roadcaster so he can have physical knobs and faders and everything else working while he's doing his live podcast and all of that, which is yeah. behind the squeams and he's done a few other shows, but that is, that's his main one. He, that California kid lavash, he does it with, and it's spelled with threes instead of E's. So it's much harder to find. How but do if, you spell lavash with threes instead of E's? I do. I think you do that too. I think that's the only okay. way you should spend spell spend. If can you spend lavash? I would like some lavash to spend. I don't have enough lavash to spend. We all need more lavash. And it's weird because there were a couple of things that you said during the show that I was like, oh, every now and then you say something where I'm like, well, that, that could be an opener. So I go in and we'll hit the M key, which will make a mark on the Adobe recording. The last two times today, there was already a mark at those two times from like the last show. So obviously your one liners come at the same time for some reason. It's it it's a circadian rhythm. I believe it. It's like it's just there, and it's like it's genius, and then it drops off, and then it's genius, and then it drops off. Yeah, th- that's uh, timed to my sips of coffee too. But thank you for the boostagram blueberry yes. booberry of the Mothman. Thank, thank of you, booberry. Mi- and let me tell you, if there is, if there's, if I have to go up onto a big concert stage and get electrocuted by the microphone, I want you to be the one who wired it. And he'll be the one laughing as it happens. Oh, no doubt. He and if you want to help support the show, you can be go hilarious. to the website, grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. All of the information is there. And if you're on the podcasting 2.0 app, you can boost a gram right now. Boost a gram like a mofo. Send us a message or just send us sats. We like Satoshi's. They've been going up again. 
which just means that it's about time for another crash. I'm guessing. I, it's always time for another crash when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, very true. Very true. Do we have any other stories that are of essential nature? Uh, nothing essential. Um, let's see. Uh, some remote work stuff. Uh, Amazon changed their policy. Workers now have to commute three days a week to Seattle, which has Ooh. some of the worst traffic in the world. Uh, nobody wants okay, to go but, into Seattle. Nobody wants to go to Seattle. And even the people for whom the culture of Seattle uh, with, with all of its meth heads is acceptable don't like that commute there the, the roads are awful it is just i this is something that of course you know if if you are an exec in a company that you don't care about it's not important to you because you can afford to have a a six million dollar three-bedroom mansion near the amazon campus in downtown seattle but if you're not if if say you have only you know a meager six-figure wage, you have to live farther out because Seattle is unaffordable. You have to commute. That commute destroys morale. That's one of the reasons why I left Redmond. In fact, it was like, you know, there were a number of things, including the culture there, but one of them was I was arriving at work pissed off every single day because of my hour and a half commute. And remote work is a godsend to people who can't deal with the awful freaking commutes from these companies who put their their corporate offices in the middle of an expensive high-end city with a long-ass commute. And of course, the companies, of course, they want people to use their buildings. They're paying for the buildings. Right. They're paying HVAC. They're paying electricity to keep the doors open. They want people to use the buildings. And screw you if you have to commute. It's your time. Not You're not going to pay you for those hours anyway. You're salaried. And so I don't, the, the, the argument always given for big companies saying you have to, uh, you know, you have to work in, in the office is, is something about synergy or something about, uh, you know, productivity, working with other people. And I'm sure that there are industries where that is a valid argument, but for me, at least programming the absolute worst thing for productivity is somebody knocking on your door. And you know what the best way to keep somebody from knocking on the door? Not having is a door. I'm at home. Right. Where they can't find you. Yeah. Although or, I will or say where the they'll one get thing, shot if they come in. If I was a uh, executive in one of these c- companies, though, I would be very closely monitoring the amount of stories that I'm seeing lately about the amount of people who are working two, if not three full time jobs because of working at home and being able to just multitask. And they're if collect- they can get their work done, then who cares? I mean, that would be the question, though. Are they really doing the amount of work that they could be or should be? It all depends on what kind of a job you have, I well, guess. Because if you're that's doing the something- kind of thing that middle management should be figuring out. Yes. Yeah. Are you are you accomplishing the tasks set out for you? Right. If you're nothing but if a support so, call person and you're able to take all the calls, then it doesn't matter what you're doing in between calls. Yeah. There's obviously a big difference between something like support calls where you need to be there answering phones and something like programming where it's like, well, your current task is write this module. It's going to take three weeks. So I'll check in at the end of the month. Right. And you, you don't want you, a hooker that's multitasking though. I might. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't hey, know what you're into. If, if, you know, if I can get satisfied and she can write a code module at the same time, what's it in <laughs> business of mine? 
See, that would be a great thing. Do you mind if I write some code while we're uh, while we're doing this? Nope. <laughs> Ryan's like, that's the biggest turn on. You know C++? Oh, my God! Anyway, the, the, the content of the article is pretty much exactly what you'd expect. The headline is Amazon wants workers to come into work three days a week. Which you're um, like, we're from a time period where people were used to work six or seven days a week. Yeah. It's like uh, during, well, during Windows Vista, I would work 90 hours a week and I hated it because commute. But yeah, uh, the other headline that's uh, along the same thing is somebody calculated and I the, the calculation is a little suspect. But they calculated that remote work is now costing the city of Manhattan $12 billion a year. You which mean from I like say things good. not coming into the city, like people not yeah. parking, not like buying lunch, uh, people not parking, people not spending money at businesses downtown, people not, uh, you know, spending five hours a day on the subway. Uh, I, I don't think anybody parks in Manhattan. If you actually drive a car into Manhattan, you're either a taxi driver or a moron. But, um, if just people not coming in means they're not getting lunch there, they're not going to, they're not going to a theater after work. Uh, somebody decided that this means that Manhattan is losing $12 billion a year because of remote work. And uh, again, same argument applies. If, if you can get your stuff done at home and you don't need, you know, if I want to go to a theater on Broadway, I can go to a theater on Broadway, but don't compel me to go to a place that has too damn many people and waste half of my free time outside of work and sleep in transportation just because you think that there's some kind of synergy or anyway. Yeah, but you don't get to go to happy hour and drinking alone is just kind of sad. Also, Manhattan is suffering exactly the same that Seattle is, that San Francisco is, that a lot of very big and very leftist cities are doing, which is they are too damned expensive. They have too much traffic. They are too much of a pain in the ass. And if people don't have to go into the city center, they're not. And all of the people running these cities who are have been flush for years and years on uh, corruption and inefficiency because the tax money just keeps rolling in. Hey, you know what? Let's jack up corporate tax to 47% because it's the big city and people have to be in the big city if they want to be taken seriously as a company. And let's, you know, crank up all of the commute costs and crank up taxes this way. And, and then let's go ahead and spend all that, those taxes on corruption and graft and, and giving a uh, cronies and nepotism. And okay, now that money's going away. Oh no. People who are running the cities don't have as much money to give to their cronies. Excuse me while I try to find a violin small enough. Excuse me while I go start a cult in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Sounds like more fun. As far as I'm concerned, what this is, is decentralization of work. And I am all for decentralization in almost all of its forms. Yeah. Go find a nice, cheap place to live. As long as you got the broadband, you're good. Yeah. Well, that's a trick. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we will be back next week on the actual day, Wednesday, I believe. That's the plan. Come hell or high water. Or Um, dental work. Right. I'm hoping no more, but uh, one small step at a time. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I ain't getting shot with anything 
except maybe a Novocaine needle. And from America's left coast, where I'm hooking from home, I'm Ryan Pemrose. <laughs> that is so, that is so wrong. Over? What? Nothing is over until Fletcher screams. <laughs> <laughs>